Audio 32, Spiritual Christmas, Part 2. O Lord, in wrath remember mercy. In Part 2 of this message, we will find out that Christ's birth, spiritually speaking that is, as opposed to horizontally speaking, provides a gargantuan big tent that equalizes all of us Americans. For Christ is the great melting pot where we become one in Christ. No longer can the tyrants purposely cause crippling division that they might enlarge their mirage of government security. By offering a faulty government solution to the problem they created by pitting the poor against the rich, the female against the male, homosexual against the heterosexual, the less rigorous educated against the rigorous educated, minority class against the white class, etc. The Bible says a house divided cannot stand, but tyrants innately divide that they might conquer and then rule ruthlessly. But in Christ, we are all one former Mr. Morality who persecuted the true Christians now as a new creation marches to the beat of a different drummer. Galatians 3 verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, that is by the Spirit, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. In fact, God's overreaching umbrella is so large that the virtuous American and the immoral American in God's eyes appear the same. That is, Rahab the prostitute and former Mr. Morality, the moralist, have the same black heart and are thus equally condemned. Therefore, it is a shock for most of us Americans to find out that morality or self-righteousness in God's eyes is nothing more than filthy rags or a dirty menstrual cloth. For the sin of self-righteousness has been around since the time of Adam and Eve when they sewed together fig leaves of morality to, to cover their own nakedness. But in fact, they were comfortable with until they heard the voice of God. And thus, in fear and trembling, Adam and Eve ran to hide themselves, for they realized that God, with his eyes as a flame of fire, could see with x-ray vision directly through their fake fig leaves of morality to their stark nakedness. Just as we as Americans will be in fear and trembling when we personally hear Jesus' voice via the Spirit calling us to repentance. For at that moment, we as did Adam and Eve will experience the reality of the fact that God can see straight through our individual morality or self-righteousness or virtuousness to our black American heart making us realize that God is indisputably justified in condemning us to hell. For in God's eyes, we as Americans all have the same identical black heart with the same ineradical proclivities. That is the same mischievous evil black cat attempting to escape from our black heart to bring us into an act of sin to disgrace ourselves 
and to be a disgrace to others. Therefore, every one of us Americans is in an identical position, a helpless state of unalterable condemnation to hell, and yet with an identical hope. For God gave Adam and Eve coats of skins to cover their nakedness, to replace their fig leaves of morality. But what did these coats of skins symbolize, not only for Adam and Eve, but for us Americans also? These coats of skins came from the first sacrifice of animals, a burnt offering and a sin offering to represent both the passive and active obedience of the second person of the Trinity who would become the God-man Jesus. This God-man would bring to pass the first Christmas, the birth of Jesus through the Virgin Mary, and grow up as the second Adam to do what the first Adam failed to do, that is, to keep his Father in heaven's commandments perfectly for 33 years, which may have been how long Adam and Eve lived before they ate of the forbidden fruit. This is called Jesus' act of obedience as a gift to Adam and Eve, and to be seen as their own perfect obedience in their Father in heaven's eyes. Secondly, at the end of those 33 years, the second person of the Trinity or the God-man Jesus, would allow his father to place on him Adam's original sin, which would be as his own. And thus his father, being a just father, would have to condemn his own son to hell because Adam and Eve's original sin, along with the elect, had been imputed to Jesus. So through the God-man Jesus, his father in heaven's wrath was subdued and peace was made between the father and Adam and Eve and they again entered the kingdom of God. The coats of skins given to Adam and Eve represented both Christ's active obedience and his passive obedience. That is, his passive obedience where he took on not only hell for Adam and Eve, but for the rest of the elect given to him by his father before the foundation of the world. And secondly, Jesus not only perfectly fulfilled the moral law for Adam and Eve, which they failed to do, but also for the elect given to him by his father before the foundation of the world. This moral and passive obedience of Jesus combined is called the gift of the righteousness of God to all his elect as their legal ticket into heaven. Verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? These coats of skins are called the righteousness of God, which is Jesus' perfect fulfillment of the law for us, both his passive and his active obedience. Listen carefully to the following verses, and let us see if we can make the connection between the coats of skins and the righteousness of Christ. Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Yes, we heard that right. All of us Americans are born into this world under condemnation and on our way to hell, unless what happens? Here's what may happen. Even so, 
by the righteousness of one, that is, Jesus fulfilled the moral law for us, the free gift, the coats of skins, to replace our fig leaves of morality or self-righteousness, came upon all men unto justification of life. What is justification? It simply means that the coats of skins make us innocent in God's courtroom because Jesus has fulfilled the moral law for us, making us blameless before our Father's law in heaven. Jesus had said, therefore, be ye perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Verse 19, for as by one man, Adam's, disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, that is the perfect obedience of Jesus, many shall be made righteous. Many shall be given the coats of skins or wrapped in the robe of righteousness of Jesus. Now that may be a lot to swallow all at once, but that was the cliff note version of why Christ's birth is so important to us Americans and why the legislation of Christ's birth as a national holiday is such a wonderful law for our American society. If we as Americans are humbled by it and give honor to it, for the psalmist exhorts us, Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, that is Jesus, and the people whom Jesus has chosen for his own inheritance, that is the elect. Psalm 22, verse 28, for the kingdom is the Lord's and key, Jesus is the governor among the nations. Therefore, the birth of Christ from a vertical or spiritual standpoint is much different than from a horizontal or national standpoint. For from the vertical or spiritual viewpoint, we have found that self-righteousness or morality may make us a moral nation if we work hard to be virtuous, but it will not give us access through the straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Vertically speaking or spiritually speaking, Christ's birth means he is coming bringing his coats of skins to save us from our helpless state of condemnation in hope that he might have mercy upon us and wrap us in his robe of righteousness. When Adam fell from a state of holiness in fellowship with his father in the Garden of Eden into the arms of Satan, he took on the nature of Satan, who became his new spiritual father. John eight thirty one. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 33, the Jews answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. Isn't that uh, basically what our free will friends say? That their will is not bound. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Verse 44, Jesus said, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. We have the same evil black cat in our heart that Satan has. Jesus continues, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, that is Satan, because there is no truth in Satan. When Satan speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For Satan is a liar 
and the father of it. Verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Verse 46, which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? So from God's standpoint, if he tells one lie, he is no longer the truth. Therefore, there's nothing in between a liar and the truth in his worldview. He is either the truth or a liar. And that is exactly how he sees us, either the truth or a liar. And obviously, we are not the truth. So God sees us as a liar with absolutely no truth in us. Therefore, we must learn to see ourselves as God sees us, as 100% a liar with no truth in us. But this is very difficult for all of us will admit we're a liar. But we also think that there is some truth in us. And it is very hard to not think that, is it not? Extrapolating then, if Jesus breaks one commandment, he is no longer God and is 100% disobedient. Therefore, in his world, he is either 100% obedient or 100% disobedient. And that is exactly how he sees us. And obviously, we are not 100% obedient. Therefore, he sees us as 100% disobedient. And thus, if we have no obedience in us, we have no free will to accept Jesus into our hearts. Thus, we are in quite a pickle, are we not? We cannot even come to our Lord Jesus by our own free will. John 6, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And none of us Americans can know our Father in heaven unless we come through Jesus. And then Jesus reveals his Father to us. Matthew 11 Verse 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, verse 27, all things are delivered unto me of my father and no man knoweth the son, but the father, neither knoweth any man the father, save the son and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So the only people that can know the Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the only people that can know the Father are the people that the Son reveals the Father to them. Now Jesus exhorts us to come to him, even though we cannot come to him if his Father in heaven is first not drawing us to Christ. None of us know if we are one of the elect. Therefore, Jesus commands us as Americans all to come to him. That is, all those of us that labor and are heavy laden over our sins, because Jesus will give us rest. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. 
Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But those of us who are wise in our own eyes will never be able to come to Jesus. For it is only to those of us, us Americans who are like babes that Jesus will reveal himself to us and then proceed to reveal his Father to us. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things, that is salvation, from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto the babes. Therefore, this Christmas, we as Americans all can have an identical hope for none of us yet to be saved. Know whether we are one of the elect, and thus we all as Americans, have an identical hope that if we come bowed down before Jesus, not wise in our own eyes, but as babes, heavy laden with sin and labor, that by his will and not our free will and not by our merits, but his merits, that Jesus will give us rest to our souls and we will find his yoke delightfully easy when he gives us salvation. All of us Americans can assuredly have this hope for the first will be last and the last first. John the Baptist was saved in the womb and the thief had a deathbed conversion on the cross. And Saul, one of the worst persecutors was saved on the road to Damascus while on his way to Damascus to bring back Christians as prisoners. Therefore, none of us Americans know whether or not we are one of the elect. And thus we should all do as we are commanded by God. For a moral America is a good America, but without repentant citizens, America will cease to be great and America will be judged of God. But vertically speaking or spiritually speaking, Morality or self-righteousness will not grant us access to the kingdom of God. That is, no heaven citizenship via morality. Heaven's citizenship totally rejects morality or self-righteousness and requires that we as Americans obtain the imputed righteousness of a man that never sinned. Once we obtain heaven's citizenship, we are to swim against the current of the world. For live fish swim upstream while dead fish float downstream. 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God 
keeps on abiding forever. In our quest to swim upstream, we hope to reach the top that Christ might spawn new converts and receive heaven's citizenship. And thus they too now know they are no longer dead fish floating downstream, but are one of us, that is, the elect. And together we know we are alive in Christ and are not of this world. And together we will be swimming upstream against the mass of fish floating downstream on the river of perdition. And we will be seeking all these dead fish to come to Jesus, that he might awaken those dead fish that were given to him by his Father before the foundation of the world. But none of the dead fish know whether or not they are of the elect or not. Romans chapter 9, verse 11. For the children, the twins, Esau and Jacob, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Esau would end up hating Jacob, for Jacob was not of this world. John fifteen eighteen. If the world hate you, Ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. America is a unique place in which not only true believers love the religious freedom that our Constitution provides for us, but also many free will religions and even some atheists are willing to fight to keep our Constitution intact. And therefore, horizontally speaking, the true believer can hold hands in the fight to preserve the Constitution. Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is on my side. That is the true believer, which is one of the elect. I, one of the elect, will not fear what man can do unto me. Verse 7, The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them, the non-elect, that hate me. God's war is the elect against the non-elect, the seed of the woman against the seed of the serpent, or Satan. Angels do not procreate, so Satan does not have kids. So who are the seed of Satan but the non-elect? Genesis 3, verse 15. And I, God, will put enmity or hostility between thee, Satan, and the woman, Eve, who was one of the elect, and between Satan's seed and Eve's seed. It, Jesus, shall bruise thy head, Satan, and thou, Satan, shall bruise Jesus' heel. The curse that was upon mankind was that God put enmity or a great hostility between the elect and the non-elect. In the first family, it was Cain, a non-elect, who murdered his brother Abel, an elect. Fisherman John tells us this in 1 John 2.12. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, that is, Satan, and slew his brother, and wherefore 
slew he Abel because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous because Abel had the coats of skins or the imputed righteousness of Christ. As Americans, all of us are born into this world as Cain's. As Cain's, hating not only Christ, but his Abel's. But none of us Cain's know if we are really an Abel, who Jesus has yet to call from darkness into light. And therefore, all of us Americans should treasure the birth of Christ, that he might call us out of utter darkness into his marvelous light. And thus, beginning this Christmas, let us who yet are in darkness to do what Jesus commands us to do. Luke 13, verse 24. Agonize to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, Americans, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Verse 25. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. But as Americans, let us not let this be our fate, but let us as Americans be determined as this following widow was in Dr. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Verse 2, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards the judge said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Habakkuk 2.3 The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Dr. Luke chapter 11. And I, Jesus, say unto you Americans, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 10. For everyone that keeps on asking, keeps on receiving. And he that keeps on seeking, keeps on finding. And to him that keeps on knocking, it shall be opened. Verse 11. 
If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Verse 13, if ye then, being evil as Americans, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him to be continued? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. In the name of Jesus, amen.